Hi, and welcome to the Thriving on Purpose broadcast. My name is Sebastian Richard, and this week we're going to continue our study of kingdom, uh, understanding the kingdom of God. It's a study based on my book, Kingdom Fundamentals. And we're continuing the introduction this week. So it's uh, basically introduction, a primer, the B part. So last week was part 1A, and now it's part 1B because it was kind of long. And I had more to say on the introduction. There was more, a lot more material to, to give you guys. So uh, this week we're going to continue to continue that. But before I get into it, I just wanted to... Uh, ask you or tell you if you haven't done so already make sure you head on to thrivingonpurpose.com and sign up to our weekly newsletter to make sure you stay up to date up to date with all of our news in the ministry uh, our updates and even store discounts this will enable you to follow our ministry despite all the censorship and while you're at it make sure that you check out our unique kingdom patriot such as this nice cap remnant and entrepreneurial merch jewelry and apparel so if you feel led to partner with our ministry uh, with this teaching ministry or to sow a seed you can do so on our website by clicking on the give button and uh, and also i wanted to mention if you guys have uh, are enjoying the book kingdom fundamentals if you've already purchased it and you have read it and it has blessed you, I would greatly appreciate that you would give a shining review on Amazon.com. This is probably one of the best ways that you can support uh, the work I do and the, the this ministry at Thriving on Purpose. So I just wanted to mention that because I've noticed the book has gotten quite a bit of sales, but uh, not that many people leave reviews, and that can be frustrating for authors. And I'm not just saying that for myself. I'm saying that for all authors out there. Um, it's something that uh, is very hard to come by for authors. Good reviews are very, very valuable in the marketplace and for authors. So I just wanted to uh, throw that your way so that you uh, you know and you're aware of the situation and you can maybe do something about it if the book has blessed you, of course. So uh, as I said, we're going to continue our study uh, titled Understanding the Kingdom of God. And this week, it's we're continuing the introduction, and we're doing part two of the introduction. So I was uh, I was about halfway through the introduction. I was at a part that says, "Seek first the kingdom." You might have heard that. Uh, uh, you might have heard that, or mostly read that in Matthew six thirty three, when Jesus instructed his disciples to seek first the kingdom of God. That's in Matthew 6, 33. He was saying that the kingdom is not overtly obvious for all to find or to know. And remember what Solomon, King Solomon said in Proverbs 25, 2. He said, it is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but to search out a matter is the glory of kings. And we are assured by the Lord Jesus Christ that um, we are assured that ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds and to him who knocks it will be opened. That is from Matthew 7 verses 7 and 8. And within the context of this passage, there's a strong indication of persistence. 
we are to persistently seek, ask, and knock in order to find or to receive what we seek. We are to persistently seek the kingdom of God. Back when I completed my John Maxwell team leadership training years ago, Paul Martinelli, who was president of the organization at the time, he told us this. Yeah, we, we were in a meeting. He was on the platform. He was teaching us. He was speaking. He said this. He said, understand that the content and teachings you are given access to are gold. They are so life-changing that many of you will want everybody to get these teachings. Since everybody needs personal growth and leadership, your enthusiasm will make you want to go out and give this to everybody, sometimes even for free. But here is my advice to you in order to avoid disappointment. He said, don't give it to the people who need it. Give it to those who want it. And what he meant by that is everybody needs it. Everybody needs it, whether they acknowledge it or not, whether they know it or not. Give it to those who want it. That was concerning the John Maxwell team materials, leadership trainings, and uh, personal growth trainings. But I got to tell you guys, this one piece of advice changed my approach regarding so many things when it comes to people. Whether they are believers or not, it is a fail-safe against giving your pearls to swine. And the principle, this principle, also makes me think of the kingdom of God. Strangely, the dichotomy of the kingdom is that while God wants to get everyone in the kingdom, he made the kingdom hard to find. It's like he hid it only for those who really want it. Only those who diligently seek the kingdom will find it. It is found only through the narrow way. Here's what Jesus said of the hidden kingdom in Matthew chapter 13. In verse 33, he said, the, Matthew 13, 33, he said, The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till, till it was all leavened. In verse 44, he says, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure, hidden in a field, which a man found and hid. And for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. And in verse 45 and 46, Jesus said, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking, seeking beautiful pearls, who, when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had bought, uh, all that he had and bought it. So the leaven is hidden inside the dough. The treasure was hidden in the field and the pearl of great, great price was sought out and hard to find. Also in Matthew chapter 13, verses 11 through 13, Jesus told his disciples the following after they asked him why he spoke in parables. 
He said, you are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but others are not. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given, and they will have an abundance of knowledge. But to those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. That is why I use parables. Indeed, the secrets of the kingdom are given to the disciples who are willing to ardently seek out these matters. The mere fact that you are now listening to this broadcast, intently learning about the kingdom of God, is proof positive that you want the glory of kings by seeking out matters, such as Solomon mentioned. We must be afraid to get our uh, our hands dirty, if you will, when it comes to finding out more about the kingdom of God. For lack of a better comparison, we must become like Indiana Jones. You're probably familiar with Indiana Jones, right? Now, how would Indiana Jones seek the kingdom? How did he seek the artifacts in his movies? For example, Picture yourself as Indiana Jones featured in a movie called Indiana Jones and the Hidden Kingdom. As the main character, what would you be doing in such a movie? Well, you'd be researching, reading, planning, asking, seeking, knocking, right? That's how intentional you have to become when seeking any hidden kingdom. You see, here's an important truth. When Jesus told us to seek first the kingdom, it was an invitation into obsession. I'm going to repeat that because this is a powerful statement. When Jesus told us to seek first the kingdom, it was an invitation into obsession. Now, let's get back to Indiana Jones. Do you remember the scene of the breath of God at the end of Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade? In the movie, there were three final riddles or tests, if you will, that needed to be overcome by any who sought the Holy Grail. Men were sent by the bad guys in order to get through. They all failed. Each one of them was decapitated by an unseen and mysterious booby trap. The single clue that Indiana Jones had to go, that, that, that had to use, had to go with, to get through, were these cryptic, cryptic words. And the cryptic words were, only the penitent will pass. As he was advancing, you remember the scene, he was advancing nervously. And as he was doing so, at the very, very last second, he understood what the clue meant. And to avoid certain death by decapitation, Indiana Jones fell to his knees, penitent, praying. He understood that he needed to be penitent, in other words, on his knees. And that way, he avoided the booby trap and he passed the test. Well, in similar fashion, to find the hidden kingdom, we have a clue. Our clue is only the diligent and humble will find it. 
Diligence is careful and persistent work. That's our clue to kingdom discovery and advancement. That's how we seek it, find it, and operate in it, in diligence and humility. That's how we find hidden treasures. All believers are called to seek the kingdom this way. There's a Canadian social worker. Her name is Catherine Daugherty. She said, to pass through the door that leads to God's kingdom, we must go down on our knees. And Jonathan Edwards said, the seeking of the kingdom of God is the chief business of the Christian life. I absolutely love that quote. Jonathan Edwards, the seeking of, of the kingdom of God is the chief business of the Christian life. So now you know that the kingdom of God is hidden. It was hidden on purpose. But what else is it? So it's hidden, and what else? Well, Jesus made clear that the kingdom of God is organic and not organizational. It grows like a seed, and it works like leaven, secretly, invisibly, surprisingly, and irresistibly. That is a quote by Os Guinness. So the kingdom of God is hidden. But what else characterizes the kingdom? Well, Jesus gave numerous comparisons when he spoke of the kingdom of God. It is not of this world. When answering Pilate's questions, Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. In Philippians 3.20, we are told our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus also said, they are not of the world, speaking of disciples, of his disciples, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. That's from John 17, verses 16 and 17. Another thing that the kingdom is, is it's invisible. The kingdom of God is invisible. When he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said, the kingdom of God does not come with observation, nor will they say, see here or see there, for indeed the kingdom of God is within you. That's from Luke 17 verses 20 and 21. And also, during his famous nightly chat with Nicodemus, he told Nicodemus, the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from, where it comes from, and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. That's from John chapter 3, verse 8. In other words, People become citizens of the kingdom invisibly. Kingdom citizenship is acquired from above, yes, but it also happens within, invisibly, spiritually. Another thing that the kingdom of God is, is it is expansive. Expansive. Expansiveness 
is the tendency to expand. It is an inherent property of the kingdom. The kingdom of God is always growth-oriented. It never regresses and always progresses. It follows a simple law of the God of the living. So growth or growing is a law of God. And that law of the living is summed up by John Henry Newman when he said growth is the only evidence of life. In Matthew chapter 13, verses 31 through 33, Jesus compared the kingdom to a mustard seed, a mustard seed and to leaven, as we saw, to explain how the kingdom grows and expands from within a man to many outward manifestations and fruit. Another characteristic of the kingdom is that it is far-reaching. The kingdom of God has an extended reach. Like any great kingdom, it always conquers new territory farther and farther out. In Matthew 13, again, that chapter, which I highly recommend you go and read tonight, uh, verses 47 through 50, Jesus spoke of the kingdom this way. Once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. When it was full, the fishermen pulled it, pulled it up on the shore. They sat down and collected the good fish in baskets, but threw away the bad. This is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And when he called, when Jesus called Simon, or the one we know as Peter, and Andrew, Jesus implied this comparison by saying, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. That's in Matthew chapter 4, verse 19. And even later, when he eschewed his great commission, Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now that's expansion. And he also said in Matthew 28, 19, still about the Great Commission, make disciples of what? Of all nations. So with characteristics such as the ones aforementioned, the kingdom of God, while making itself very desirable, is proving quite elusive nonetheless. The kingdom of God is vast as an ocean and tiny as a droplet. It is both universal and exclusive at the same time. This is how it weeds out the lukewarm and unintentional seekers. It is indeed found only through the narrow way. And the narrow way is mentioned in Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. Furthermore, this keeps in line with the ways of the kingdom, where everything seems to be operating paradoxically to the natural world we are used to. These will probably sound familiar if you've been a Christian for, for a while. The last shall be first. The servant shall lead. The humble shall be elevated. And the poor shall be rich and so on and so forth. There's more of those, of course, in the Gospels. 
Now I want to talk about your kingdom quest. So today, right now, as I speak to you, you are hopefully, if you haven't done so already, undertaking an important journey. Your very own quest for kingdom knowledge, for kingdom revelation, and for kingdom understanding. As it did for me, this quest will make you grow in faith and knowledge and will lead you to a more intimate revelation of the King within you through God's Spirit. I believe the fruit of this kingdom quest will open your mind, open your eyes, strengthen your faith, boost your confidence, sharpen your mindset, bring blessings and favor into your life, enable you to let go of false religious thinking, give you understanding, and bring you to expect miracles in your life, even daily. Fifteen years ago, maybe sixteen now, when my wife Elizabeth and I began our own journey into deeper biblical understanding, our own kingdom quest, it changed our lives. It did for us all of what I just mentioned. And it still does. I believe that if you embark on your kingdom quest, it will change your life as well. There's a prayer frame set on my wall. It's right over here in my office. And I've read, I've read this prayer many, many times. And it's been in my office for over 10 years now. And this particular prayer... I've read, like I said, many times in the course of my walk with Jesus, and I will now read it to you. The prayer says this, my journey out of deception began with a prayer, an innocuous prayer that hardly seemed life-changing in its scope. In fact, at the, at the time, it hardly seemed much of anything at all. Dear Lord, I prayed. If I am believing any lies in my life or am deceived in any areas of my Christian life and what I believe, can you show me? I want your truth at all costs, even if knowing it destroys my entire worldview. Oh, and I mean it, Lord, even if part of me doesn't and is scared. That was the prayer, the prayer that changed my world and set me free. In retrospect, it was a silly childlike prayer, but God honored it. That's how the prayer ends, with those observations. And I wish I had found the author. I put this prayer in the book because I believe it's such an important prayer that can really change lives. I never found the author. It was anonymous. So the author who wrote this says it changed his life. Well, I can say, in all honesty, it really changed my life too. And I know it changed my wife, uh, Elizabeth, her, her life as well. It takes guts to sincerely pray a prayer like that. I believe, however, that it is a necessary prayer for believers today. Many of us have been ensnared by religious teachings and are bound by dogma. And these beliefs and traditions of men are keeping us not only in the dark, 
but have enslaved us and brought fruitless results. And you know, it's nothing new. Remember what Jesus told the Pharisees in Mark chapter 7, verses 6 through 9. He said this, Well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. And he said to them, You have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. The Bible also says in Hosea chapter 4, verse 6, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I reject you from being a priest to me. And since you have forgotten the law of your God, I also will forget your children. A dire warning. God doesn't want any of us to be in ignorance. Just like Paul told the Athenians in Acts chapter 17, verse 30, he said, The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. Much of believers' plights of the believers' plight today comes from misunderstanding his word and how his kingdom operates, including who they are in it and how they should live. This misunderstanding of God's truth, his plan and how they fit in it, has led many people into bondage. It has led believers into emotional bondage, doctrinal or dogmatic bondage, falsehood bondage, religious bondage, and even financial bondage. Yahushua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, came to set the captives free. And the truth, His truth, will set you free. The main message He came to teach was about a gospel, which means good news. But not just any good news or gospel. The good news of the kingdom of God. The word kingdom or term kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven is mentioned well over 100 times in the New Testament, especially in the synoptic gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Go and reread the gospels and you will realize that the kingdom of God was the central message of Jesus during his ministry and even after his resurrection. You could even say that it's the message he was the most passionate about. Dr. Miles Monroe put it this way. He said, the mission of Jesus was to establish God's kingdom on earth in the hearts of men. In Luke chapter 4, verse 43, Jesus said to his disciples, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. 
and after his resurrection. He appeared for 40 days to the, to the disciples. And the Bible says in Acts chapter 1, verse 3, just at the beginning of the book of Acts, after his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. After his resurrection, that's what he taught the disciples. He was still um, very, very adamant about his message and what he wanted them to know, to learn, to understand. Since it was evidently so important to, G to Jesus to teach about the kingdom, one question remains. Why are we so seldom taught about the kingdom of God in church? Since the kingdom of God was Jesus' central teaching, shouldn't it be ours as well? And this is a rhetorical question, of course. We cannot undermine the importance of teaching and learning the kingdom of God and everything pertaining to it. It is vital to every believer to understand these matters. And I'm very, very happy that you're watching these teachings, that you're beginning this series with me about understanding the kingdom of God. Just to be clear, although I am happy to share what I do know, I am still learning. I'm still learning much, and I will learn until the day I die. I'm a lifelong learner. Therefore, I urge you to verify and test everything that I'm going to teach you in this video series. Don't just gobble it up or reject it. Either way, I don't want extremes. I don't want you to gobble, gobble it all up or to just reject it without paying attention to it. But seek it out for yourself. Get confirmation from God on all matters. And just as Paul says in uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.21, he said, test everything that is said. Hold on to what is good. That is why, by the way, I'm going to open a parenthesis. Is that is why teachers, Bible teachers like myself, will be judged more severely. We have a, a very high calling, and and uh, we're 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 held to a, a high um, a high degree of accountability towards the Lord, because none of us are perfect. All of us have still have, to some extent, some blind spots, and we don't know the whole truth and nothing but the truth. So everybody, including myself, believe and even teach, even if we're sincere, some false doctrines or falsehoods. And I'm not saying that I, I'm not saying I believe I'm teaching you falsehoods today, but I know that I don't believe what I used to believe five years ago. And I don't believe what I used to believe 10 years ago. I'm constantly evolving, constantly learning and unlearning. And I hope it's the same for you. And now I reach a place in the text where it says, come up hither. I love how in Revelation chapter 4, verse 1, in the 
New International Version. The Apostle John hears a voice, a voice which tells him, come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. Of course, it's probably the, the voice of Jesus. Uh, I looked at some commentaries and they pretty much all agree it was Jesus. So in our walk with God, we are constantly beckoned by God to come up higher. God wants to reveal new things to us regularly. When Jesus came to earth, he came for the purpose of revealing the kingdom of God to men. That's from Luke 4.43. This was a call for believers to come up higher. This book, of course, Kingdom Fundamentals, or this series of teachings that I'm doing, which is based word for word on the book, this book's purpose is to accompany you and to help you to go higher in your understanding of God, of his government, and your role in it here and now. I believe that the information and the wisdom shared in these modules, in these teaching videos, will enable you to go higher in your walk with the Lord. In all honesty, I am truly humbled and honored to have been called by God to write this book. I feel it is making me take an active part in sharing the gospel of the kingdom before the end comes. And to me, the fact that you're listening to this video or maybe you purchased a book and you're reading it right now, that is no small thing. From the time Jesus began proclaiming the kingdom of God, believers have been called to come up higher. That is just the way of the kingdom. And you, my dear friend, are no exception. It's time to come up higher. And it all begins with your understanding of the kingdom, its king, its citizens, and its laws. So by all means, I hope that you're going to stick around because we're only scratching the surface so far. I'm only today ending the introduction of the book. So I hope that you will continue listening to this series. And I hope if you haven't purchased the book, I hope you purchase it. And I'll tell you what, I also think the book makes a great gift for believers. It can be a good gift for unbelievers, but I wrote it for the body of Christ. I wrote it for believers in this day and age, because I really believe the message of the kingdom has not been preached enough or thoroughly or is understood. And I believe I, I talk about this with Elizabeth all the time. I believe that somehow the kingdom of God's message is it's something that we've heard so much, the gospel of the kingdom or the, the expression, the kingdom of God, that we take it for granted when we're believers. And I believe that because of that, we auto-punish ourselves um, in not understanding fully what the kingdom of God is all about. When I began digging and searching and, and seeing teaching videos and, and, and understanding the depth of the kingdom of God, I realized that all these years that I've been a believer, I did not really truly understand the kingdom of God. So the problem with the kingdom of God is that everybody thinks they already know the kingdom of God. 
And that is, it's a tragedy in a way for the church, uh, in a way, and for individual believers as well, because we are missing out on a wealth of blessings and knowledge and proximity to the heart of God by taking for granted the kingdom of God, thinking that we already know it. That's why God impressed on my heart to write the book. Uh, that is why I thought it was so important to, to make a series of teachings about the kingdom of God. Because I think that if I, I can't put a statistic out there, I would just be inventing numbers. But to be honest, I haven't met many believers who truly understand the kingdom. If it's 5%, it's really good. And, and, and that's my evaluation. And I'm usually pretty good at, at giving ballpark figures of statistics or, or something. But if there's one message that needs to get out right here and right now, in this day and age, all over the world, it's the message, the thorough message and understanding of what Jesus was preaching with so much fervor and passion while he was on the earth. The gospel or the good news of the kingdom of God. We've been teaching for many, many decades now the good news of salvation, which is only a part of the whole message of the kingdom. See, the salvation part is, is the door. That's where we get in. That's how we get into through the kingdom. That's the door. But there's a whole palace to explore. There's a whole um, glorious city to explore. There's a whole realm to understand. So that is what this series is about. I hope that this teaching ses session has blessed you. If it has, make sure you bless it, uh, you you bless others by sharing it. And uh, as I said in the beginning, if you have already bought the book and you have read the book and the book has blessed you. It would be very appreciated if you left a shining review on Amazon. I would be uh, very, very uh, blessed and happy to read that. So um, I will see you next week as we continue to delve into the mysteries and the depth of kingdom understanding by going through the book Kingdom Fundamentals. Be blessed and thrive on, and I'll see you next week.